23 to 27. It's called The Sea, the Storm, and the Savior. We're going to look at it again, then just through if it happens in detail in these few verses, but see if there's a spiritual insight for us that can help us in our daily lives. Because now a lot of us is looking to go in a boat later on this afternoon, and we're willing to get caught in a storm. So it must have something else for us rather than just that Jesus, which is good, He is over the elements. So far, we've looked at a few miracles. We've seen that Jesus is Lord of our sin. Through the leper coming to Him, He says He will cleanse Him. Or ah, the leprosy, a sign of Jesus being our complete Savior that saves us for our sin and our shame. And the centurion, we see Him as Lord over time and space. He didn't even have to be there. He just had to say the word and the centurion's son was healed. And here we see that Jesus is Lord of our storms. Does somebody ever get affected by life's storms? They come at you for an hour and they're in your boat and you feel as though you're maybe overwhelmed and sinking. Well, this is encouraging for you this morning. And Matthew chapter 8 and Verse 18, Jesus had already said, Look, disciples, gather your things. We're going to the other side of the lake. Get into the boat. Get your stuff ready. And I was purposing them going to the other side. They was going to meet uh, two demoniac uh, guys that needed to be set free. So I was usually purposing the storm that you're going through. So verse 23, they all got into a boat and began to cross over to the other side of the lake, and Jesus, exhausted, fell asleep. It is said of soldiers that soldiers got so exhausted in war that they could fall asleep anyway. You've maybe seen some of the movies against trees and foxholes and things like that, just in dubs, just out in fields, because they were so, so exhausted. And the words used here, it's a bit similar to that, that Jesus was so exhausted. It's maybe refreshing to hear that Jesus himself got tired. Jesus himself got exhausted. And Jesus, exhausted, fell asleep. Suddenly a violent storm developed with waves so high the boat was about to be swamped. Yet Jesus continued to sleep soundly. And do you ever feel as though Jesus is sleeping on the job? <laughs> that, uh, there's a storm going on, but Jesus just seems to be sleeping. And you're wondering why he's sleeping. Maybe he's so exhausted for Sunday ministry as he moves in amongst his churches and fellowships ah, across the globe. And maybe you think, well, maybe he likes to take Monday off, because when Monday you get into work, you think, Jesus, I've seen you are really awake on Sunday as we met as a church, but Monday, are you sleeping? And a storm's going on. And things are starting to overwhelm her. And the waves are buffeting. And you got that sinking feeling. And you think, Jesus, where are you? Are you sleeping during this storm? Surely you're supposed to be sorting that thing out, making stuff calm for me on a Monday. But here is Jesus sleeping in this storm. I'm going to look at us through three different ways. If it did happen in two scenarios that could have happened, that the disciples responded. Because fit the disciples did next. 
is probably for hours day in a storm, and hours have been trained to day in a storm. It's discipleship 101. What do you do when you see a storm? You turn to the Lord in prayer. So, this is what they did. The disciples woke him up. So the disciples started praying to Jesus. Because Jesus doesn't seem to be doing much. Save us, Lord. We're going to die. There's worse prayers to prayer than that prayer. Save us. Some never prayed. Save us, Lord. Save me. It's getting too much. But Jesus reprimanded them. Why are you gripped with fear? Where is your faith? Then he stood up and rebuked the storm and said, Be still. Instantly it became perfectly calm. The disciples were astonished by this miracle and said to one another, Who is this man? Even the wind and waves obey him. Interesting. Here is the disciples doing what we are trained to do as Christians. If we feel as though the Lord is sleeping on the job, and the storms are coming in. We are trained to turn to Him with everything and say, save us. Go to the prayer meeting. He is the answer for your storm. He'll do it. And so that's what we do as Christians. That's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. But what I was stuck on was the response for the Lord. Because, I don't care, do you think He wakened up in a bad mood? Like, do you ever waking up in a bad mood? I've got to say, I had a little power nap on Wednesday. Came home for work, and uh, I was just tired. And I fell asleep on the couch. It was beautiful. But then, Isaac starts asking my questions, and I could hear him before I could see him. And as he said was, Dad, how do you spell rainbow? Because he's trying to type something out of the computer. I'd only been asleep for about 30 seconds, I think. See, when you're like, you're mad before you're waking up because you can't, I'm supposed to be sleeping here. I think there's other people in this house that can spell rainbow that's not sleeping. <laughs> but you annoy me. The only thing that's getting a better rest, a better sleep. Maybe, maybe Jesus is a touch of us, but I don't think he would waking up in a bad mood, do you? But for some reason, after the disciples following what we would say is just good Christian principles, is that if you feel overwhelmed, if you feel as though the storm's getting too much, and you feel as though the Lord's near doing something, then I think we've been taught about Christianity so far is that you turn to the Lord and you ask Him to do something. And yet the Lord wakens up, and he seems quite annoyed, and says, you have got little faith. When you read the, in the original, it's not like a harsh rebuke. It's not a point in a finger. It's a mere calm, fatherly heart. You have little faith in this scenario. Why are you so afraid? And then he calmed the storm and calmed the sea. And you think, what an amazing miracle. Would only love to see that? Like Jesus and power over nature. He did it. It's one of the most amazing miracles. It's recorded for us. Yet Jesus didn't seem to be too excited by it. 
And he says to them, oh, you showed little faith, like you're waking them up. So I got to thinking this week in amongst dying, fit was the right response then that Jesus expected of the disciples. Fit was, if Jesus was rebuking them and saying, look, that's little faith, fit is the right response that Jesus would have said, that's appropriate faith. That was great faith. We with me so far? So if Jesus rebuked him and they've seen an amazing miracle, it's phenomenal. If I would, I would want to see a miracle like that. But in the midst of the amazing miracle, Jesus didn't honor him for their great faith. He says, ah, you've just showed little faith. There's two possible scenarios that I feel as though there might have been more that could have happened we had difference or response to the storm for the disciples. And you will agree that one of them is more important than another in. And I'm okay if you disagree with me. Is that okay if we don't need to agree on our thing? As long as we believe Jesus is Savior. Because at one point I would have said the first thing was more important. But I'm just not too sure on him there. And I think church life is great when we can together work through different issues and see it differently. Like, we didn't have to see this miracle in the same light. It's okay for you to think something different from me. It's okay for me to think something different for you. And it's okay to change opinions, and that's healthy debate. I enjoy healthy debate. A debate, a discussion that'll say, I'm willing to be wrong here. Because often in this world, we're so fixated on I'm right and you're wrong that the debate is never healthy. When they watch Question Time, the debate's never usually healthy. It's always, this is what we believe before we've came up into this program, and I'm sticking to it, no matter fit anybody else says. And it would be very, very refreshing in the middle of a program like that for somebody to say, can something I've never seen it like that before. My opinions may be changed. But that would be very controversial. Anyway, my point is, it's good to have a healthy debate. This is one of the scenarios. Door number two, if you like. That the disciples should have just left Jesus sleeping. And they would have seen authority and rebuke the storm. So maybe Jesus was saying, you've got little faith, you should have left me sleeping, and you should have realized the authority that you carry as a disciple, and you should have rebuked the storm. And that would have been great faith and just leave Jesus sleeping. And when I was reading the Passion Translation, there was like a study thing at the bottom, and this was their point of view, that they should have teen command out of the waves and the storm. I want to tell you before I go any further, I believe that there's times for this, that you need authority over the storms in your life. It says that power of life and death is far, is in the tongue. So if we see attitudes rise up within ourselves, if we see storms, I believe that there is a place in Christianity to take authority in the name of Jesus, even if it seems as though he's sleeping. And to calm the storms of life. I don't think that would have been a wrong thing. But I'm just not sure 
if that's the overall meaning of this Scripture. I'm not sure if Jesus' expectation would have been for the disciples to move in that authority since they'd never ever seen Jesus move in that authority. That would be a bit of a leap, wouldn't it? For the disciples to move in miracles that they've never ever seen Jesus move in. We understand from the seeing Jesus move in signs, wonders, and miracles, cleanse the leper, cast out demons, that then when Jesus then gave them authority to do it, then they could move in the authority, but because they're seeing Jesus do it, it makes sense. But do you think it's right for Jesus to expect the disciples to calm storms and seas and waves? And they never, ever, they were so amazed that Jesus could have had dinner. So I'm not too sure if this is the overall meaning of what this scripture means. But maybe it's, this is your gig. Maybe you're thinking, no, that is what it means. And you'd hear lots of scriptures and commentaries to back you up that the authority of the believer, we can see storms calmed. We can see raging seas be still through us speaking and taking authority. So I got to think, well, if it's near that, and I wasn't too sure about the, if Jesus thought him getting wakened up was little faith, and I wasn't too sure if Jesus expected them to calm the storm, I thought, well, if I were left, we, if it's the, if it would be seen as great faith. And this answer is near that spectacular, I've got to say. I didn't expect a way answer to be leaping on shouting and praising God with joy. But I wondered if in the simplicity of it was sometimes miss how marvelous it would have been that Jesus had said we are going to the other side. And as they encountered this storm and noticed him sleeping, I wonder if it had been enough for them just to sleep as well because Jesus was at perfect rest. I wonder if great faith would have looked like I see there's a storm, but I'm not fear at all. I'm not scared of the storm because Jesus is in the boat. And if he's not going under, I'm not going under. And if he can sleep, I can sleep as well. And in a week, I've not had great sleep. <laughs> When I look at Jesus, when you look at him through the Gospels, is he ever panicked? Lazarus in a tomb, a widow, burying her only son, running out of love, running out of food. Is there only way in Scripture that you see Jesus panicked? All was at complete rest, even in a storm. I wonder if great faith, sometimes Disney Lucas though, it's great faith. I sometimes think great faith is just complete rest during a storm. And it doesn't carry the same razzmatazz, because if I was to say to you before I started this, what does great faith look like? Yuda says, Great faith looks like a people that moves in the midst of miracles, for sees the midst storms calmed. And that might be the case. But these people seen a great storm calmed, and Jesus never said it was great faith. He said, 
Oh, it's little faith. Does anybody else think that's interesting? Because I would have said the same as you, that them's got great faith as them that sees most miracles, because they have the faith to see the most miracles. But it's maybe amazing for we can get by with even little faith. And little faith is good faith, because little faith is a lot better than no faith. Because with little faith, they can still move mountains and seize miracles. But I'm just interested to fit Jesus was thinking on, or fit then would be appropriate faith. And I just wonder if it's here in divine, and there's a time and a place for common storms and spiritual warfare. But I think the greater truth is this is to live with divine rest and peace and cherish that upon your life. If we say that every storm that comes up, we've got to rebuke it, and that Jesus has got to deal with every storm in your life, you then say that the believer should never have one storm in their life. Do you think that's true? We can't have life without storms. I have come that you may have peace. In this life you will have storms and troubles and trials, Jesus says. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And sometimes the greatest miracle I think we miss it so much is for the believer to have peace with Jesus in the midst of a storm. If it's a song that we sing, even though it doesn't look like he's moving, he's moving. As I said last week, I'm not that great at remembering words and lyrics. If it doesn't look like he's moving, he's still moving. And if it looks like he's sleeping, he's still Lord over the storm. Is he only less Lord over the storm whether he calms the storm or sleeps through it? Is he only less because he looks like he's sleeping? He's either Lord over all or he's Lord over none. And in my life, I have reacted to storms so irrationally. Like Jesus is going to deal with everything. I'm a believer. I shouldn't have to go through pain. I shouldn't have to go through a storm. I shouldn't have to go through one ounce of heart. Jesus, rebuke it. Jesus, calm it. But yet, forget that Jesus is Lord over the storm, whether he calms it or not. Maybe the disciples should have looked at this Christ that was for him, that had showed a miracle after miracle, that it says, hey, we're going to the other side. Maybe they should have taken one look at him. Because when Jesus got up, he says, you're so scared of the storm. You've got little faith. But the storm should be more scared of the believer because we have the ability to rest through every storm that life throws at us. Do we value the peace of God that transcends all understanding? That means we can deal with things head on with the peace of Christ and the blood of Jesus running through us. The times that we live in might be perilous. And God might silence every one of them. Oh, but even if he does not, 
Every time we look upon him and his beautiful face and gaze into his wonder, we can hear this one thing upon our lives. Rest in peace. Will you get excited about that? Will you rush out with this message to evangelize the world? Maybe not, but I believe it's for somebody in here. You've gone through some stuff, some storm. You're feeling undone and overwhelmed, and Jesus seems like he is sleeping. But I believe that the Holy Spirit would encourage you. You can rest as he is at rest. Because we didn't just have Jesus in our boat. For Scripture says even more than that, he's not just beside us on a boat going through this world, that we are in Christ. In Him we are new creations, the old is gone, and behold, the new has come. We are in Christ. We are in Him. We're in His boat. But then there's another truth, that Christ is in us. So we are in Him, and He is in us. We are surrounded by Jesus. So it's like us. Got this pencil, gone through it as supposed to be, I led to write we. Christ through us. But then we are in Christ and Him. So if I was to say, only are you ins, you've got to take this pencil out of the Bible. What would you have to go through to get the pencil? You'd have to open up the Bible, wouldn't you? People, we are in Christ. He is in us. The storms are life. Let you go through Jesus to get to us. Sometimes he allows him, and sometimes our purpose in him. And sometimes maybe the testimony would have been of the disciples. We faced a massive storm in the sea, but we noticed that Jesus was sleeping, so we put our heads down as well, and we experienced his rest because we've seen that he was at rest. And we got to the other side, and that was a miracle. People, you got to get to the other side of your storm. Forever it is, you will get to the other side whether God chooses to still it in the midst of the storm or whether you just to keep on riding out that storm with Jesus. You will get to the other side. He has ordained it that that storm will not defeat you and wash you up and take you a lost eternity. That the worst that could happen is that you will suddenly be in the very presence of Jesus Christ. You are going to get to the other side. Whatever it is, you don't need a panic. You don't need to rush about like the world rushes about. We can sleep in the midst of stormy times and trials. Then I panic about for the world panics about. Let them panic about politics and Brexit and all these things. But let the church of Jesus Christ in the midst of nothing that goes on in the world be found at peace we have. And sometimes that's a testimony. It's now that God sort of do all my problems. Sometimes I had a problem. I trusted Jesus through it. Because people are watching. And they're watching how you're dealing with the political atmosphere that we're in. They're watching how you deal with sickness. They're watching how you deal with your kids. They're watching how you deal with problems. They're just watching. And I would love to be able to tell you that Jesus will calm every storm, and your testimony, as always, he's sort of doing my problems. Sometimes you've just to carry yourself with an attitude of absolute peace and rest. And I've got a hunch that that's a miracle that people can see. 
They should have lost the plot years ago. They should have been sunk. Yet, I've never seen them get angry. And I've never seen them go crazy. And I've never seen them give up. They still fellowship. And they still lift their hands in worship. They've still got hope in their hearts. I was looking at some stories of Al Hams and uh, came across the story. Some of you will ken him, Horatio Spafford. Have you ever heard of Horatio Spafford? Okay, it's a great story, isn't it? And me and Matthew Runcie were speaking about the, the words of this song, but I didn't ken the story behind it. But this is his story. He was friends with D.L. Moody. He was a church Presbyterian elder, a really wealthy man. Real estate was his thing. He had millions and millions of pounds invested in Chicago. Good family, wife, four bairns. It was well, you would say. Most people would say if they look at Horatio Spafford in the peak of his day, naturally speaking, that it must have been well with his soul. But then tragedy stuck. A fire came and wiped out his properties. Millions of pounds worth of properties. A big, the Chicago fire. Over 100,000 people died. Millions and millions of pounds worth of property gone in 1873. And that time he lost Dahing. His wife, Anna, became sick. So he bed back to deal with our thing, and he sent her and her four kids. I think there's a picture I've got to come up with the four kids. Anne, Maggie, Bessie, and Tanetta. There was healing revival in England, and uh, his wife wasn't keeping so good. So he sent them away for a break. They was got to catch up with D.L. Moody. And so they made the boat journey across the Atlantic Ocean. Caught a boat called Ville, De Havre. Tragedy stuck, struck as they were crossing. So Horatio bade at him. The wife Anna took the four kids on this boat. That boat had a little Scottish vessel. And within 12 minutes it was to sink. And Anna went down in one knee and prayed. Lord save us the disciples. I couldn't help but think about the disciples at this point. Lord, save us. Our ship is sinking. She says, but Jesus, if you aren't going to save us, make me willing to die. Save us, Jesus. May this storm go down. May the sea be calm. But if not, Make us willing to die. And a little vessel came and seen this woman clinging for her life. And she jumped on board. And she was saved. But the four kids, real people, Anna, Maggie, Bessie, Tanetta, all lost their lives in that storm. 226 people 
died. And I'm sure, and after that, would I wonder God's sovereignty? Would I wonder why me? Wouldn't you, parent, would I says, save my four kids, took me? You would have. But yet she saved, and the four kids were swept into the arms of Jesus. And as Horatio heard the news, Anna went, met up with Dale Moody, came down from Edinburgh just to meet her after hearing the tragedy. He stopped his services. And then Horatio got the boat hour as well. There's a bit of a myth about what happened. It says that he wrote a hymn just at the exact spot that he lost his kids. I didn't find really any evidence or that, but they did stop, the pilot of his boat did stop at the spot and they prayed. But it was years later that Dale Moody, there was hearing further meetings and Horatio penned these words and along with Sankey and Dale Moody, they made it into us. Wonderful hymn that was sing the day, especially at funerals. It contains these words. Now think about these words in the context of what we're speaking about. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll. Like how can you even sing about the sea after you lost your four kids at sea? Sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot. We don't speak about that enough in Pentecostal Christianity. We speak a lot about storms being stalled. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. And then it goes on, just loads of marvelous words. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. It is well with my soul, it is well, it is well with my soul. Do you hear, for I'm hearing, that in spite of everything that the world can throw at you, in spite of all the questions we have about how God's moving and how he's sleeping and how he's doing lords or doing very little, that this promise is sure that it can be well with your soul. And when I read that, I think, isn't that not just one of the most marvelous miracles that you'll see? Is it when people go through tragedy and grief and trials where they can sit down with a pen and they can think of the sea. They need an excuse for misery, an excuse to never speak about the sea again, but he relates it to his life and still says, well, it is well with my soul. And ask a worship band to come up. I'm not saying we should sing that song, by the way. 
I'm sure you didn't come here this morning expecting me to quote hymns. He said, I don't really quote much hymns. I'll leave that to Davy and Mary. But there's something so special about that song that is written. It is well with my soul. For his great faith. For his great faith. This morning. Well, great faith is sometimes remaining hopeful when circumstances try and take you down. Great faith is trusting Jesus in spite of the storms that try and wipe you out. It's being able to conduct yourself at peace and at rest when your whole world is falling apart. Simply because you know that you know that you know that Jesus is Lord of your life. And he has bought you with the precious blood of Jesus and he is now about to let you go. Rest well, believers. Let's stand. Let's just take a moment to examine our lives. If I really wanted to whip you up this morning to get you excited, I would have majored on authority. I would have majored on every storm being still. But yeah, I think this illustrates something greater than just that. Maybe you've been missing divine rest. And there is a time for deep spiritual warfare, but we do it for a point or rest. Jesus says, why are you so scared at the storm? Why are you so scared, people? Why do Christians live with so much fear? When we hear the truth of Jesus Christ, that he is at the right hand of the Father, reigning supreme over everything, it says in Ephesians that we are seated there we are. And yes, there's storms, and yes, we should pray, and yes, we should appreciate still moments. But God, as we come before you, I pray for each person in here that we would carry something or divine rest upon our lives. Life's too short to panic as the world panics. And life's too short to be unrest as the world is restless. For Jesus has promised us through Hebrews that he has prepared a place or rest for his people. God, as we look to the world, when we look at the world, we see very quickly a people that is unre unrest. I pray for your church that we'd be people, that we'd be at peace in Christ Jesus. Peace within storms, peace to conquer storms. The storm couldn't wipe them out because Christ was in the vessel. The storm should have been more scared or that boat than them by the storm. We do pray for them that are going through particular storms in their life. We pray for moments of stillness. We pray for answered prayers. We pray for calmness to come. 
whatever we are gone through, we would say it is well. It is well. It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. How can we be found in torment when we have Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, residing within us? How can we be found panicking when we have the all-conquering one residing within us? Oh God, give us wisdom and give us the faith that would prevail. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's raise our voices. Maybe you're found in this place and that was for you. Just lift your hands and worship Him. Be found as one that is calm within the storm. You maybe never see that storm calm. It's a miracle that you can be calm within the storm. Raise your hands. Raise your eyes to heaven. See Christ as the one that is always at rest. He never panics about a thing. Raise your hearts to heaven. Raise your minds to Christ as we worship Him.